be a ball. Welcome to Be A Baller, where we discuss how to build a lifelong legacy. I'm your host, Coach Tim Brown. Today, I'll be talking about building a legacy in business with my good friend, Carrie Overbrenner, founder of Igniting Souls and also author Academy Elite. And so we're just excited for, for that. Before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey there, Clark Kellogg here. Building a legacy usually involves meeting the unique needs of others and being part of something bigger than yourself. That's why I love First Merchants Bank. First Merchants believes that helping communities prosper means more than just providing banking services. It means offering accessible financial education, expanded access to home ownership, and partnerships with local nonprofits to help raise up neighborhoods and lift families out of financial hardship. For resources and tools available to you, visit www.firstmerchants.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Today on the show, Kerry will share his insight and experience on helping authors publish their dream book and creating brand awareness. Presently, Kerry is a professor at Cedarville University. So welcome. I guess I got to call you Dr. Overbrenner, like the, like the <laughs> students call you. I, I tell I tell them pretty quick. I say, listen, I'm a bald guy with a girl's name. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's great to listen. It, it's been awesome to see your journey, Tim. Um, you know, you mentioned that you saw me at Grace Church Powell, yes. but uh, years ago when I was a pastor, but to see you grow and pour back into young people, I'm just really proud of you. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, speaking of, as we began to talk about your success in speaking, writing, brand awareness and other ventures, uh, let's go back to a young Carrie. I was reading your book. was a young man who yeah. suffered from severe stuttering, depression, suffering. Talk about that transformation in your life. I'll tell you what, Tim, you know, young people today, they're going through a lot. In fact, I, I am glad that I'm not growing up young today. They got a lot more challenges, a lot more distractions. But back in my day, we didn't really talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, if you would, if you would have talked to a kid in the young, you know, young eighties or nineties about self-injury cutting, you, you'd be You'd be hard pressed to find an article or a book. It wasn't a thing. And if it was a thing, people thought that's crazy. Wait, wait, what's wrong with this? But really what it was, Tim, is it was um, people think that self-injury is uh-huh. you trying to end your life. You're actually trying to save your life. Mm. It's actually a coping mechanism when you're going through a lot of severe pain inside. You reenact the pain, but in a way that you can control the frequency, the depth, um, you know, you feel out of control or you feel like you are a bad person. You need to punish yourself. And so, you know, I just had a view of God back as a young kid that he was never happy. Mm. He was always disappointed in me. Um, what I really didn't understand Tim, quite frankly, is I didn't understand grace. Amen. I was I, right out. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was like the older brother in the prodigal son story. You know, the younger brother is everybody, everybody understands. Oh yeah. That's the guy. That's the punk. That's the guy who got into trouble. You know, that's the guy who's, who took all the money that, but very few people focus on the older brother. The older brother was the one who was just as far from the father. 
And what the younger brother did with rebellion, the older brother did with religion. Religion is you trying to say, I'll save myself. And you can't save yourself. And so at a young age, I was trying to save myself. And uh, that's why all that depression, self-injury and stuff came about. But what got me out of it was to realize that there's a certain group of Psalms in the Bible. Mm. It's called the precatory Psalms. It's where David is just really ticked off. So he writes things like Psalm 109, Psalm 69, where he's like, hey, God, take my enemies and blot them out of the book of life, you know, which is essentially my enemies to hell. And, and I read that stuff and I'm like, whoa, how can this guy be a man after God's own heart and write these crazy, intense, sinful thoughts? And then I realized, well, you know what? God wants us to be honest and authentic. And I haven't been being honest and authentic. And so that's when I really had my breakthrough is when I got honest with God and said, you know what? I'm a self-injure. I'm angry at you. And God said, fine, now I can finally work and heal you. And we could see that. We could see that product. He's done a great job. Uh, well, you know, I needed, every, I needed every day. I needed yeah, every no, day. Sir. You know, I know that you're part of uh, the John Maxwell and the Maxwell team. Uh, mm. How has that impacted you in your life and career and, and relationship between, you know, how, how it helps you become the businessman that you are today? How that John Maxwell team? You know, I think that um, the John Maxwell team was God used it in my life back in 2011, because in 2011, you know, I did become that pastor. I did become that guy who tried to help other people preach the word. And I liked it a lot. But what God started doing inside me is, is I started to feel this pull of like, the church is too small. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I don't mean like the church, like God's, like Christ's body, you know, all Christians everywhere. I'm not saying that's too small, but I'm saying working inside of us, of one church felt a little bit claustrophobic. And so what I, what I didn't realize was, was that God was calling me out into the marketplace, mm-hmm. kind of like with a pastor's heart, but in the business world. Mm-hmm. And so, Tim, there's not a lot of examples. You know, you, you talk to most pastors and you're like, hey, how do most pastors get out? They have an affair or they steal money. Is this true? I mean, <laughs> you don't see a lot of pastors be like, you know what? I'm going to go into the business world because uh, I can serve and reach more people. You don't see that a lot. But I saw that in John Maxwell. So that's why I started hanging out with him. And I did learn a lot of lessons. But I would say around 2014, is where God even took me, you know, and went and said, now I'm going to be your teacher and mentor. So, so, right. So around that year, you know, I was really intense for about three, four years in the John Maxwell. And then I think what God said is like, I want to create something new inside you, you know, it's, it's igniting souls. And I think that that was um, his expression. That's good. I kind of had that similar experience. I was a, a fifth grade boys teacher for six really? years. Some sort of, you know, I had 20 boys, 25 boys every year, just just all boys. And man, we were I was having a great time. And then, Carrie, what happened to me was the prayer Jabez. 
Oh yeah, I know about that. Where large, like, large, yeah. Now that's that saying. So that's where the FCA came in. I feel like you know being in one room was great, but now I had the opportunity to be in every school building, you know, on every campus in in the whole area and beyond. But yeah, that's so I so know that's what God speaks to you. You just mentioned about starting uh, igniting souls. What was the vision behind that work? And what an encouragement to dream big that you've given to so many people, including myself. You know, what was the vision behind that? I believe so. It's a couple a couple quotes that really rocked my world. Uh, one is, "What's the most damaging thing in the life of a child?" And when I was asked that question, I said, "I don't know." You know, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, the answer is the unlived life of the parent, the unlived life of the parent. And uh, there was a psychologist, uh, a Swiss psychologist who uh, asked that question. And I was like, wow. And in his studies, he showed that. And I thought, okay, it's not alcoholism. It's not abuse. It's not abandonment. It's a kid who sees their parent come home, kick the dog, Go sit in their chair, say, give me the remote. Don't bug me. Let me veg out. Let me veg out. Well, what is veg short for? Vegetable. There's a thing. What's the vegetable brain waves? Dead. They're basically saying, be brain dead because I hate my life. I hate my job. That's actually the most damaging thing for a kid. So I said, well, what's the opposite of that? A soul on fire. Oh. (laughs) You know? A soul on fire. In fact, St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. Mm. Um, you know, it was Ferdinand Foch that says that the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. So I thought, wow, this 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 whole soul on fire thing is 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 my thing. I like that. Uh, that's what always inspires me is soul on fire. I don't care if somebody's a soul on fire for violin or uh, even taking out the trash, even uh, a janitor. I don't care what what they're doing, but if they're a soul on fire, they're going to catch the attention of the world. So that's what I said. I said, I'm going to help people answer three questions. Who am I? Identity. Why am I here? Purpose. And where should I invest my life? Uh, direction. And I think where those three circles converge is a soul on fire. You know, you've authored uh, dozens of books yourself. Is there a common thread that runs through each one of those books? Yep. It's that I had a problem and I couldn't figure out a solution. (laughs) In other words, in other words, uh, you know, man, I've written fiction, poetry, religious, uh, technology, entrepreneur, self-help, personal growth. I mean, I've written such a crazy, weird thing you know like john maxwell only writes leadership right i've kind of been all over the place but the reason why is because i gotta have a a passion for what i'm writing i don't write books to sell books um i write books because i have a problem or i have a passion and then i say i'm gonna go solve that problem or i'm gonna go write about that passion so it really is a book uh I tell people I write for one person, my former stuck self, my former stuck self, because I I know that person and I can write compassionately to that person. I know you got a great book 
Um, and maybe you feel the same way about some of that stuff. Yeah, guys, yeah, for sure. Sure. What I know. Yeah, that's good. You know, you, you've helped over, besides the books you've written, you've helped over 500 authors from uh, eight eight countries publish their books, you know, through your Author Elite Academy. What yeah. is the driven force that uh, kind of motivates you to help those authors? And what are you looking for when someone comes to you and say, hey, I want to write a book? So when people come to me and say, I want to write a book, I think that, first of all, everybody should write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, now, why do I say that? Because it's going to force you to be really clear. You're actually going to become a better communicator and you're going to become a better thinker. Now, some people say, well, I got to have somebody interview me or I got to have a ghostwriter. That's fine. As long as you're involved and as long as you're looking at the process and looking at the table of contents, as long as you're structuring the book, working with the person, I don't care if you do the physical writing that doesn't bother me. But I think that everybody is a messenger and everybody has a message. And there's a lot of people who die with with a story still inside them. And I think that's not a good thing. So I love to help people publish. Uh, yeah, this Author Academy Elite thing, we started this in 2014. And that means we'll celebrate 10 years in 2024 now. Here you go, Tim. You're the, Tim first, you're the first one to know this. We're actually retiring the program in 2024 now. Mm-hmm. So now why are we doing that? Because what happened, Tim, for, for the last 10 years, I've really helped the DIY client. And when I say that, I mean like the do-it-yourself client who says, look, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to do a bunch of the work. And I'm going to, uh, you know, either write the book or I'm going to um, really get involved, you know, the DIY client. And that those types of clients are amazing. And we've actually, <laughs> you quoted a number 500. I bet you it's, I bet you it's around 1500 that we've, um, we've had in the program and probably about a thousand actually published. Okay. So probably 500, you know thought about it. We did everything that we we're supposed to do. They, they, they have to give up on themselves if, if, if they're not, if they're going to fail, but the publishing model has changed. The industry has changed. What happened Tim, is people began coming to us with a lot of influence. Okay. So now we have people coming to us and saying, look, I got 20. This is a true story. The guy's name is Peter Diamandis and Salim Ismail. They came to us and said, we got 30,000 people in our community. We want to do a book. And guess what? We don't want to do DIY. We're going to write the book, but we want you to do everything else. So they, they, they began saying, we're going to write you a bigger check than the DIY people. That's not why we're giving up Author Academy Elite. Why we're giving up Author Academy Elite is if I take those 10 units of time and put it into Peter, I will ignite a million souls versus someone who comes to me and says, I got no following. I got no people, but I'm going to write a book and maybe 200 people read their book. It's not that they're better than the other person, but it's that when you get to my age and you're bald, (laughs) when you get to my age 
you have to say, you know what? I have less time than I had 10 years ago. And so I have to look at my life and say, how am I going to steward the units of time? Like even this podcast, you know, I'm thrilled to be here. Tim, Tim wants me on a podcast. I'll drop everything. But even this podcast, I said, you know what? My team said, Carrie, you got 30 minutes. You don't have 60 minutes. You got 30 minutes because I just know that like, it's not, I'm all that. It's that I got Cedarville. You know, right. I'm helping entrepreneurs. I'm help. I got two businesses. I got three kids. I got one wife. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, you got to just, oh, I can only do so much in life. Mm. That's good. The team at the Financial Solutions Network is proud to partner with Tim Brown and bring you this episode of Be a Baller. Our mission is to share generously of our time, talent, and financial resources to help our clients develop financial plans and wealth management strategies that allow them to live the lives they imagine while connecting them with experiences and people that enhance their quality of life. FCA is one of those organizations by helping young men and women through the development of their personal faith. The Financial Solutions Network is an independently owned and managed wealth advisory firm based in Worthington, Ohio. We are a multi-generational professional team of advisors with a combined 83 years of experience teaching and managing financial strategies for individuals, families, businesses, and institutions. We would be honored to help you plan your financial journey. Contact us at 614-505-3025 or visit our website at tfsn.net. You know, you kind of led into what this podcast is all about, legacy. So as you begin thinking about that, what is the legacy of, uh, when you hear that word, what does legacy mm-hmm. mean to you? Legacy means, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll cheat and uh, use a Bible verse. Right. You know, legacy means well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, he didn't say pretty good job, mm-hmm. pretty good job. Uh, you know, this is God speaking. He didn't say, uh, you know, uh, somewhat faithful servant, you know, kind of faithful. So like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, that's what I want said. Now, if people say, what does that mean, Carrie? How, how could, how, how do you score that? That's easy. And you know, I've taught on this and that's actually how you launched your world. But it's uh, it's called Opus, and it's uh, people can literally read my Opus if they go to carryoverrunner.com slash O-P-U-S, Opus. There's two words in Latin for work. One is labor, where we get labor, and it means toil. And the other one's Opus, which is where we get masterpiece. Okay? And masterpiece. And so my buddy Chet Scott, I think you know him. Uh, built to lead. He's local in Columbus. He's helped a lot of Ohio State things and leaders. But he came up with this thing that's OPUS. It stands for overarching vision, purpose, unifying strategies, and scorecard for significance. And so it's all built around this concept by a guy named um, LP Jacks. And it says, a master in the art of living draws no sharp distinction between work and play, labor and leisure, mind and body, education or recreation. 
They hardly know which is which. They simply pursue their vision of excellence and leave others to determine whether they're working or playing to themselves. They always appear to be doing both. Now, I said that word for word because I internalized it. That changed my life. I read that quote when I was a pastor. And you know what I said, Tim? I said, I'm not playing as a pastor. I'm not having fun. Parts of me are. Parts of me like it. But the thing that killed me, Tim, was the meetings. Oh, my gosh. When I was the pastor, we would meet, meet, meet about all the things, all the, you know, how many musicians should we have on stage? How should we take the offering? What, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God did not create me to be in meetings. You know, so I'm a doer, man. I want to make it happen. So anyway, if people go to carryoverburner.com slash opus, they can see exactly what my overarching vision is, exactly what my purpose is, my unifying strategy and my scorecard for significance. That's that's legacy. We're in right, right, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right there. You know, as we come around the corner, I have a good friend, uh, Clark Kellogg, always tells yeah. me he wants to stay under the shot clock. So we're Ooh, we're, we're gonna good. finish. We're gonna finish under the shot clock. But okay. I want to get this in now that you're a teacher at Cedarville. You know, you're kind yeah. of on the side of what drew you to that, and how is it on the other side now working with this young generation? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna show you a picture, man. Mm-hmm. This happened yesterday. Um, So how, okay. So I got to share this quick picture. This kid comes to my office. He's kind of depressed and I'm like, Hey, what, you know, happy to help you. Why, why, why did you book today? What what do you want to talk about? And he said, you know what, Carrie, I'm from Papua New Guinea and I'm a sophomore. And he said, I wanted to start a business last semester, but I, I gave up. And I'm like, why'd you give up? He said, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't believe in myself. I don't know how to price things. I don't know if anyone wants to buy my necklaces. I said, is it that necklace that you're wearing right now? It was a turtle, right? He's like, yeah, that's one of them. I said, that's cool. I said, you got any more of those? He said, yeah, I got them in my dorm. I said, I'll tell you what, David, I got an idea. We got marketing class in 30 minutes. What if you bring your necklaces to class? I interview you at the end of class and I and we just tell your story. And you talk about Papua New Guinea, you talk about why you came up with these and what the necklaces mean. And 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 who knows, maybe some students will want to buy one. And he lit up. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to run back to my office. So he just runs back to his thing. Anyway, yesterday at class, Five minutes left in the class. I say, guys, we got a guest today. This is a spontaneous thing. This happened 30 minutes ago. David came into my office. We're in marketing class. And you know what? He's ready to give up on this business. He's he's spent no time this semester. He's done. And I said, David, let's talk about your story. What are these necklaces? And then a student raised their hand after he said the story. They're like, I want to buy one. Do you have one? Are you, you ready for this picture, Tim? I don't know if your people can see this, but you see that picture? Yeah. There he is. There he is. He's there selling his first one to me for five bucks. (laughs) And that's all he wanted to charge. I would have paid more, but there's a necklace and his buddies took pictures and they said, David launched his business in marketing class. (laughs) This guy is on fire now and he's going all around campus and people are saying, I want one. I want one. I want one. And so why am I excited about that? Because here's a guy who made his first 
dollar. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was able to be there with him. And he, he, what I gave him yesterday was the gift of belief. Amen. He had everything in him. He, he had the necklaces. He had the right. story. Yeah. He had everything inside him, but he didn't have belief. Mm-hmm. And that's what I inserted into his life. How did Cedarville happen? I'll spit this out quick. 18 years ago, 2005, I applied to be a Bible professor at Cedarville. They rejected mm-hmm. me. They rejected mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Why did they reject me? Because it wasn't God's time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't God's time. I was mad at God. I'm like, what the heck, God? Why am I, Why did you give me a desire to also teach in the university? And then you shut the door. My buddy says this, people's rejection is God's protection. Yeah. Say I that like one it. more time now. Say that one more time. <laughs> people's rejection is God's mm-hmm. protection. Wow. I'll tell you why I wasn't supposed to go there. That whole Bible department, a few years, you know, back in 2005, they had to go through a tough time where they had to kind of figure out, like, what, what are we going to be as a campus? Are we going to be on the, the straight and narrow? Or are we going to start being a little bit more, you know, inviting? And 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 sure. they walked away from that, saying, "We know who we're supposed to be, who God called us to be." Well, well, now, 18 years later, I'm at a Christmas party last December doing my own thing, running my own businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. I had no idea. And they mm-hmm. said, uh, what are you doing? I said, I'm an entrepreneur. They said, we've been looking for two years to some for somebody to run the entrepreneurship program. And I said, well, I can't do that because I, I like my businesses too much. They said, we want you to keep your businesses because mm-hmm. otherwise you don't have credibility. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, all right, well, I'll teach one class. Mm-hmm. As an example, if you like it and I like you, we'll, we'll keep rolling. And then uh, I taught the first class adjunct last spring and it's three hours from seven to 10 PM. And then I got to drive 70 minutes back home. And I taught the first class and I couldn't even sleep that whole night. I was so excited afterwards. I drove home and I was fired up and I'm like, I'm in. So God made it happen, Tim. And that that's the story. Man, praise God. Praise God for your obedience and, and like his timing is, is not our time, it's his timing. That is it. Well, I wanna I want to thank this brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to our special guest, Carrie Oberman, for sharing his many years of experience in helping authors publish books and build a lifelong brand. I want to thank the audience for joining us during this enlightening and informed discussion on building a legacy in business. Hope this episode was beneficial to you as always. Thanks for listening to Be a Baller Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Be a Baller podcast is available on all major podcast stations. Be sure to come back next week as we continue to discuss on how to build a lifelong legacy. Until then, don't forget to be a baller. This podcast was created by Coach Tim Brown. It was edited by Teron Howell and produced and recorded by the video production class of Worthington Christian High School.